Mr. Book about? The existential pain of living with the consciousness of death and how it defines us as human beings. Well, that's not a conversation killer at all. I totally want to talk about the existential pain of living with the consciousness of death. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Positively Trek Book Club, or should I say Comic Book Club, this week. Uh, I'm Dan Gunther, and joining me for this episode is Brandy Jackala. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Not doing a live show this time, we're, we're talking comics. Brandy, how are you doing? Uh, I am well, Dan. Thank you so much for having me, because I love talking about comics, especially Star Trek comics, so thank you so much. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this will, uh, I, I, I hope, be the first of many, because... IDW, I, I just want to talk about this for a minute, is mm -hmm. pumping out the titles. There are so many yes. Star Trek comics to talk about. Uh, quite frankly, we're really behind on talking about them at all on Positively Trek. So, uh, Brandy, I might be turning to you for a lot of catch-up over the next couple months, maybe. Dude, I am here for you. No matter what you need, I'm here for you. Awesome. I'm excited because, yeah, we've, we've got this Star Trek Picard miniseries to talk about which is kind of from the tail end of last year so we're, we're you know getting caught up on that but there's also the star trek series the flagship series that's going on with cisco and i haven't even read any of those yet i have no idea what's going on there uh it's got its own spin-off that's coming the star trek defiant series mm -hmm. and we've got even a, a video game tie-in series for star trek resurgence the Lower Decks comics, I haven't even looked at those yet. I'm I'm really excited. There's so much to talk about. There is. I was actually, lately, my comics have just been kind of in big piles when I pick them up. Mm. Because it, it'll be like, <laughs> oh, it's two months. I haven't, pick, <laughs> I haven't picked up my comics. Because <laughs> some things happened, you know, towards the end of last year. And it kind of threw off my schedule of picking things up. And so I had just this big pile of comics. And I'm like, okay, I got to organize the Star Trek comics at least. And as I was doing that, I'm just like... What? How are there this many? What is happening? The bounty, the blessings. It's amazing. So the Star Trek Picard Stargazer series consists of three comics. Uh, the first one came out at the end of August last year. So we'll, we'll kind of go through these uh, issue by issue. Like I said, just three issues. So it's not a, a, a huge story, not an ongoing thing, just kind of a, a little adventure that takes place between seasons two and three. So kind of a nice little prequel, I guess, to what we have coming up later in February of 2023, which uh, also I'm very excited about that as well, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very excited. <laughs> People may or may not know how I felt about season two of Picard, but uh, when I saw the first teaser trailer for season three, I got emotional and I thought, okay, you have me, you have me. I am ready. Give it. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, a lot of people had that reaction. And it was something that initially I was a little skeptical about and kind mm -hmm. of, you know, mixed feelings, right? We're leaving behind Elnor and, and a lot of the other characters, um, both story-wise and also just they're not in next season kind of thing. Because they're Which dead. Is sad. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exa <laughs> exactly. Which is sad, of course. But then again, when I saw, like you said, that first trailer, okay, wow, 
um, mm-hmm. I'm on board. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, I do get emotional pretty easily, but after season two, I was just like, you've got to, you better do something drastic to hook me for season three. Cause I mean, I watch it no matter what, but it may not be as invested as other people. And then that trailer and I'm like, Oh, you, you are tricky. <laughs> you all are tricky. You know how to get to me. Yeah. And I think the thing that most excites me too is they revealed a lot in that trailer, but I feel like they're still holding a lot of cards very close oh, to their chest. So and many. I feel like we're going to get blown away by stuff. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. And I look forward to it. Definitely. Well, let's jump into these comics. Like I said, kind of a prequel for what we're going to get with a focus on Picard, of course, the titular character, but also kind of a secondary focus on one of my favorite characters that they ported over from Voyager, Seven of Nine. And they've done such amazing stuff with her character uh, in the Picard series. And so I was excited when I saw some of these covers and she features pretty prominently. We've got uh, got Seven here. And the way this comic starts out, it looks like, is Seven back in Starfleet? Or in Starfleet now, I guess? They they kind of hinted at that at the end of season two. But, you know, we see her in a uniform here. But not all is quite as it seems. Because she's she's taking a test basically under the tutelage of admiral picard in this diplomatic situation between these two groups here that was kind of a a fun introduction to the story here it was but at the same time i thought this is this is the holodeck isn't it (laughs) that was my first thought i thought she's on the holodeck this is this is a this is a program. I didn't think that it was like a modified Kobayashi Maru, but <laughs> that was, <laughs> but uh, then I thought, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's a no-win scenario of some kind. <laughs> yeah, definitely, because I I sensed it coming when you know one side is saying, oh, we we have such gratitude for your help in this. Oh, I assure you, we are more grateful. And I thought, oh, here we go oh no, it's all going to fall apart. <laughs> and then it does. And it, it's, it seemed to me, now I, I could be wrong about this, but the, the two species who were at the table seemed to maybe have had some kind of genetic forebear that, that linked them because they were similar, but not the same. Is, is, am I seeing that that was just my feeling when I was reading that. Yeah, it looks like from the dialogue, they're both from the same planet mm. because Seven says, for centuries you have battled for control of your planet. Oh, there it is. Yeah, so, I forgot that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking they're two countries or factions on, on that mm. same world. But that was something that I did have to go back and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, because I was I was a little confused. Wait, who's talking? Oh, they they look very similar. Oh, I can I see what's going on. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, not something we usually see Starfleet doing is like brokering internal peace on a planet. I guess mm. I guess that's happened a couple times. Um, the TNG episode, loud as a whisper, that seemed to be like they were on the same. I don't know. It's been been too long, but you know, then there was uh the first episode of strange new worlds oh that's true yeah oh and the the kesprit in the tng season seven episode attached with the yes. when picard and crusher get taken um mm. prisoner <laughs> yeah that's a weird one um <laughs> yeah that's an odd one <laughs> 
Makes me uncomfortable. The thing that I remember the most about that, was that the one when they, they can read each other's minds? That is, yep. okay, I was just making sure I had, <laughs> it's like, you hate having breakfast with me. No, no. <laughs> That's not what <laughs> so, Oh, you just want coffee and croissant. Just, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> the part that I love the best is when uh, Crusher can't figure out which way to go based on the tricorder readings. So Picard walks over and looks at the tricorder, looks around, looks at the tricorder and says this way. And they start going and Crusher's like, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he gets this embarrassed look. He's like, well, as captain, sometimes you have to, you know, inspire confidence by looking like you know what you're doing, basically. It's like, dude, you know she can read your mind. Why'd you do that? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. So this bit between Picard and Seven, there's it's setting up some interesting stuff, I think, mm -hmm. for this. Because Seven still feels that her place is with the Fenris Rangers. She says that she can get things done kind of thing. And Picard says, there are some problems the Rangers are not equipped to solve. Problems only Starfleet can. So Seven's kind of questioning, why is Picard even sticking around? And Picard believes in Starfleet and believes in its mission. So that seems to be kind of setting up the, the central arc, I guess, for Seven and probably for Picard for this series as well. Agreed. I I found it interesting that because, you know, at the end of season two, everybody's thinking, oh, yay, she's acting captain and she's going to rejoin Starfleet and everything's going to be sunshine and lollipops. And, you know, that's not necessarily how it's going to go. Is that ever how it goes for Seven? I mean, really? In the history <laughs> yeah, of Seven? Not a lot of sunshine and lollipops for Seven. <laughs> no. So I just I, I actually liked that they went there in this comic because that felt true to the character for me. Yeah, I like that it wasn't, it, it almost felt like if you go just by what happened in season two, that the only reason Seven wasn't in Starfleet was because Starfleet said no. Mm -hmm. And I like that it's not one-sided. There's mm -hmm. conflict there on both sides. She doesn't feel that maybe Starfleet is as effective as she feels it could be and feels like the, the Fenris Rangers are a group that can get things done and have access to fewer restrictions, I guess, mm. than Starfleet maybe yeah. <laughs> would be a polite way to put it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Um Starfleet and their General Order 1 or Prime Directive or whatever, the Fenris Rangers do not care. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so just that alone, they could go do stuff for worlds that Starfleet would only observe from a distance. Which is something we're going to see in this story mm -hmm. quite a bit. So uh, yeah, let's let's get there because yeah we've got Picard hanging around on his vineyard and Laris taking messages from Starfleet and she's sick of it um Picard Laris is not your secretary <laughs> exactly she is sick of taking messages she says and then as he walks into the house that man <laughs> yeah I'm with her on that one so Picard does decide to uh, exercise his space legs and revisit an old friend, at least namesake wise, the USS Stargazer, uh, which we saw in season two, of course, captained by Rios. But I miss you, Rios. The events of season two he is not there anymore. I miss yeah. you, man. You're my favorite. Sorry. <laughs> no, I hear you. Instead, we've got an Andorian, Captain Makara in nice. command of the stargazer. So something that occurred to me when I was reading this, the stargazer 
like if you look chronologically for Picard, like that would actually, I think, mean a lot more to him than the Enterprise mm. did because mm-hmm. like he was on the Stargazer, the original Stargazer for like decades, like a couple decades. And then you, know, you can almost think of his time on the Enterprise as, you know, a brief interlude. <laughs> And then we have the new Stargazer. So it's kind of the relationship that Kirk had with the original Enterprise. I feel like Picard almost has that with the Stargazer. No, I totally see that. I th- The thing is, we know so little about the Stargazer age, really. I mean, I'm sure that there are books that I haven't read because there's like 50 million Star Trek books now. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you never forget the first ship you captain. I mean, that's always going to be the first one in your heart because yeah. that was your first captaincy. So of course that ship is going to mean a lot to him, whether it's the original or the namesake. That's, that's, no. that's his lady. Yeah. And, and I liked that bit in season two in that first episode when he steps onto the stargazer and everyone's kind of like, Oh, it's, it's Admiral Picard <laughs> because yeah, when you're on a ship, you you would learn the history of that ship and its lineage and stuff. Yeah, he did some important stuff as captain of that original Stargazer, which we get a bit of flashback to in this as well, which was really fun because you were talking about novels and stuff. I love when he says status Lieutenant Asmund. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> Lieutenant Asmund from the Stargazer novels by Michael Jan Friedman and the Reunion novel from TNG. I love that. I love that they're bringing that in. And of course, of course they are because written by Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnston, right? So mm-hmm. Kirsten Beyer, you know, tying the literary universe and the TV universe all together. I love it. She is really deft at that. She just knows how to connect continuities. And we're going to get some other stuff later that I was just giggling about. And then I was like, oh, right, of course. Kirsten Beyer, of course. But <laughs> yeah, of course. This is kind of the first thing that jumped out to me at this point. We've got the the Stargazer in the present day going to revisit this planet that Picard visited in the Stargazer decades ago. They discover that the Romulans have taken an interest in this planet and want to mine some stuff. And the pedantic Star Trek fan in me is like, wait a minute. There was no contact with the Romulan Empire for 50 years, apparently, before the TNG season one episode, The Neutral Zone. What's going on? Uh, I can't believe that. I'm like, okay, just got to ignore it. Just just got to read it. And then there's like a little throwaway line later that like Picard says, Starfleet ordered us to classify the whole incident. I was like, oh, okay, well, you, you, you get a pass, I guess. Darn it. <laughs> Freaking classified things, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. It's like the ultimate yep. non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> Spore drive classified. <laughs> <laughs> Discovery blown up. Wink, wink. <laughs> so it was like, okay, all right, I I'll appreciate that. So Picard in the neutral zone episode of TNG had actually personally talked to Romulans just a few years before that, but mm-hmm. just we're not talking about that. Okay. Mm. It would be interesting to rewatch that episode with that context. I was thinking that, you know, like, are there any little, I mean, of course there aren't, but there's, you know, are there things we can read into that would be kind of cool? <laughs> yeah, retroactive continuity, right? So the mission is to this planet, Genjor 6, which was the planet that Picard visited years ago. And, and in the past, what had happened was 
The Romulans wanted to mine this mineral and Picard seemingly talked them out of it saying like, here are the coordinates of a, of an asteroid field rich in that go mine that leave this planet alone. And the Romulans are like, sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. And Picard <laughs> says mission accomplished, you know, wipes his hands and flies off. And as we'll find out, apparently that didn't take. So, hmm. Yeah, I was not surprised by that at all. I thought they're just going to wait till he leaves and then they're going to come right back and they're going to mine the hell out of that planet. Well, yeah, cut to present day and the new Stargazer gets to the planet. There's no life signs. They can't detect any life signs. They beam down with this away team and very quickly come under attack by unknown forces and get rescued by other unknown forces. This was where I got really excited because we meet this guy, Hero. And I was like, Hero, where have I heard that name? And he says, pleased to make your acquisition, Admiral. <laughs> and Picard says, Aqua, what? And I was like, wait a minute. Oh my God. The, the no man's land, the audio drama that they put out the Star Trek Picard audio drama. He's one of the, one of the crew members with the Fenris Rangers that is with seven and Rafi in that. And of course that was also written by Kirsten Byer and Mike Johnson. I'm like, mm -hmm. brilliant. I love this. Agreed. I haven't heard all of that. I've heard parts of it, but I haven't heard all of it, but um, I, I didn't, I, I knew that I knew who it was and I thought I could look it up, but I'll just let Dan tell me because he knows everything. <laughs> so I'm not surprised because I thought, no, I know that this guy has been in this before. I just, I just don't know for sure where. Yeah. And I just, uh, it took a, it took a minute basically to kind of for everything to click, but, uh, I'm really excited to be able to see these characters and, mm -hmm. and we'll see another one later that I'm really excited about because I really like them. But yeah, that, that was cool. And of course I forgot. Yeah. Same writers. Right. So why not bridge that continuity and make it all fit together? And sure enough, a second later, we see seven show up having just saved Picard and his away team's butts and says, there are some problems Starfleet isn't equipped to solve. And there's this great full page shot of seven with this BFG, I'm mm -hmm. going to call it. Yep. <laughs> this honking huge gun. <laughs> it's very big. Very big. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she's like got it on one hand and her like hand on her hip. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> seven of nine, y'all. Yeah. Interesting start to the, to the series. And we've already kind of talked about some stuff that we learn in later issues, but uh, kind of what did you think kind of leading into this and, and the setup for the story? Well, I figured that, you know, with this flashback, I thought, okay, so we know Seven is in this series, so she's probably on this planet, but I was really hoping that maybe the planet hadn't been completely <laughs> destroyed by mining. I was really holding out hope for that. So, but of course, you know, there wasn't any hope of that because Romulans can be really big jerks. Mm -hmm. And there, there's even more aspects to the Romulans can be really big jerks in the other two issues. <laughs> but I thought, you know, you have my attention. I want to know how this is going to play out. I, I agree. I'm, I'm interested. I think it's kind of cool. Picard's back in the saddle a little bit. And there's, there's some interest. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this later as well but there's some interesting thematic stuff through this that i think picard as a series has been exploring a lot as well especially in season one which is 
you know, consequences of past actions and mm. the idea of not following through completely on promises or thinking that something is complete when in fact, you know, it, it isn't and, and consequences carry forward. It's, it's like the, the big argument for TNG versus Deep Space Nine, where at the end of every TNG episode, they say, well, that was great. Let's move on to the next planet and see what's going to happen next week. And Deep Space Nine had to kind of stay there and stick with the consequences of what happened each week. And it's kind of like that's coming back to haunt Picard in particular. It is. And I think that that is something that modern Star Trek is doing well. Because they're they're addressing things like that in lower decks. Mm, second contact. That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. And why has it been 20 years since first contact? And you never checked back? Just like Kirk never checked back on SETI Alpha 6, 5, whatever the one it was. That one, <laughs> SETI something. SETI Alpha something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was... I had a friend that I used to work with back in the early 2000s that we would have just random, uh, we would just shout random Wrath of Khan dialogue lines to each other across the store. And it was a time where Alanis Morissette was killing, getting really big. And he's like, this is Alanis Morissette Five. <laughs> just, <laughs> he would just start shouting stuff like that. We had the best time. <laughs> Oh, I mean, anytime you can say anything like Ricardo Montalban, oh, yes. you know, that's amazing. And he was very good at it. He was he was very good at imitating Ricardo Montalban <laughs> as Khan. It was it was a joy. It was a joy. Oh man, I I my brain just goes immediately to like SETI Alpha Six exploded six months after we were left here. Admiral Kirk never bothered to check on our progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm not good at it, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I I love Ricardo Montalban. I have loved him since I was a wee child. There was just something about the man that uh, I just, you know, I would watch anything he was in, good or bad. This episode of Positively Trek would not be possible without the support of those of you who have gone to patreon.com slash positively trek and signed up to become a Patreon supporter of the show. Thank you all so very much for your donations. They truly do help bring this show to you each week. Thank you especially to our Constitution class supporters, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Jesse Earle, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, and Paul D. Kinnear. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get perks such as early access to episodes, ad-free versions of episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and much more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Thank you all once again. And now, let's get back to the show. So issue one, yeah, I think strong start to this. Definitely a good hook. I'm I'm interested. And, you know, a good comic has to have that ending page where you're like, ooh, what's going to happen next, right? Uh, let's jump into issue two. This one came out um, at the beginning of October of last year, 2022. Uh, again, of course, written by Kirsten Byer and Mike Johnson with art by uh, Angel Hernandez. That's one thing we didn't talk much about yet. I'm going to say here, the artwork, I think, in these is, I mean, as always, 
pretty incredible, especially for uh, Angel's work. I think he does really, really good work with these. I agree. I really like the style because it's still, it's it's comic booky, but not too much. It sort of straddles this line almost between um, reality and comic book. It's an interesting mix because it's mm-hmm. it's almost, it's not like, Everything is exacting like you would do when you're drawing a portrait and nor is it caricaturized. And so it's this perfect uh, suggestion of what the characters look like without putting in all of this intricate detail like you would in a portrait. And I really like it. I really, especially the way that he did uh, Seven's eyes. Mm-hmm. They, that just, I couldn't stop looking at her eyes. <laughs> They're just really well done. No, there's some incredible work in these for sure. And like the, different artists have different styles. And I've always loved this particular artist because a lot of the, the shots that some other artists use, and I'm not faulting this, like this is the perfectly valid style and looks great too. But sometimes you can tell what the reference was for it. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I remember Spock making that expression in this episode that oh Mm -hmm. that's a screen cap from this episode whereas i never feel that with this artist's work it's it's always very dynamic and very new shots and stuff now someone like jk woodward has a completely different style who uses those reference shots and does those like hand-painted watercolor Mm. ones which Mm -hmm. look incredible you can tell what he's referencing but it still works in the context of everything else that's going on in the comedy it's just two different styles and i really like both of them but this one i think really works especially for the action and things that are happening and of course original characters too absolutely i and the the thing is is that now that you've said that and i'm thinking about it at no time while i was reading the comic did it ever any any of the three issues did it ever occur to me oh i knew what i know what reference that they used for that not at mm-hmm. any point it was all fresh and new to me well so yeah let's uh, jump into the story here we get another brief flashback at the start of this to 27 years ago where of course this is where we find out for sure that yeah the romulans just went back and mined the place and made the surface basically completely uninhabitable You know, there's all this radiation and stuff. The radioactivity produced by our mining operations has had an unfortunate effect on the native population, is what this Romulan Xenius says. Uh, But the Remans are unaffected, so the Remans can stay. Basically, their labor force, they're going to leave them behind on this planet and just pull out. I'm not going to cast dispersions on Romulans as a whole, but definitely this Xenius guy is a real piece of work. (laughs) He is a real piece of work. And I think, you know, again, not all Romulans are like the ones that we see here, but people like him give all Romulans a bad name. You know, they're not Mm -hmm. good representatives of their species because this guy is clearly completely apathetic and irredeemable. And also we learn here that, you know, he's denying it and his underling is denying it but obviously he's had a child with one of the one of the reman slaves let's be honest that typical leaving her behind as well both his concubine and the offspring that he's produced so mm-hmm. yeah he's uh he, i mean not a good person is very putting it very very mildly <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm I'm I don't even think that you could with a, a guy like that you could have even called the uh, slave he slept with a concubine. He probably forced her. Is yeah. my guess. That's implied but never really said out loud because we don't like to talk about such delicate things in Star Trek, but they do happen. Especially yeah, with people absolutely. like that who think they have absolute power and can take whatever they want. Back in the present day, and I present in quotes, you know, the further in the future than the flashbacks take place. Right. Seven is filling Picard in on, on what has happened, the history of this planet, talking about how there are survivors from the native population and they managed to survive near aquifers, which are deep underground. So... Uh, they've they've managed to kind of escape the radioactivity and Seven of Nine has kind of promised them that they'll rescue them and get them away from the planet. And now, of course, the Stargazer is in orbit. So that plan is a little bit more feasible now. So, yeah, typical kind of Fenris Ranger outreach program, you know, looking after the downtrodden and, and doing things that before Starfleet even knows there's a problem. Mm. <laughs> it's already, you know, working on solutions here. Yeah. Uh, it's sad that it took how many years <laughs> for this mm. for this to happen? But, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think we don't know enough or see enough having to do with the Remans. Mm -hmm. Honestly, what little we've had, of course, um, Star Trek Nemesis and... A couple of episodes in season, I want to say four of Enterprise. I'm pretty sure it was oh, four. Yeah. Basically and the background bodyguards. That's kind of. Yeah, you know. that's that's pretty much it. And I want to know more about them. And we just really don't have that much to go on. Another little tangent. Have you read the Tales of the Dominion War short story collection? I have not. There are so many things I haven't read <laughs> oh, no, no worries. There's one story in there, which is basically Shinzon's role in the Dominion War and, mm. and kind of his background. And it's really good. Like Nemesis, I feel, is a story that's very lacking personally. There's a lot Agree. of things that don't make sense about it. And like good tie-in fiction, this one is, you're like, oh, that's how he got the Thaleron thing. Oh, that's how they all rallied to him. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, stuff that you shouldn't need supplemental material for, for a movie, but mm -hmm. it does a really good job. There's, there's, if you want more Riemann stuff, that's a, there's a really good story in there. Well, I will definitely, I, I know I have it on my Kindle. Well, we also get introduced to, I'm going to say Ikal. I'm going to go with a pronunciation because sure. I'm not sure. This leader of the Genjorans here. And first of all, I like the, the way they named them Genjorans because I was writing it Genjorians and then mm -hmm. I needed to look and say, oh, Genjorians, Bajor, Bajorans, Genjor, Genjorans. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's consistent there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this, this ICAL guy as the guy that Seven's made this deal with to kind of rescue everyone. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about how that goes in a bit. Their plan, like I said, was to transport them to a Fenris Ranger ship they have in orbit. It was going to be a tight squeeze, but the Stargazer's here now. So uh, they're going to be able to do that. And I was kind of worried for half a second reading this that Picard would be all, oh, Prime Directive, they're still pre-warp. And... Mm -hmm. Thankfully, no, like 
you know, we're, we're being pragmatic here. This culture has been destroyed and yeah, let's save wh- wh- however many we can right now. I'm like, okay, good. And I'm glad he's kind of feeling guilty that like he just went on his merry way last time, assumed everything would be fine. Probably didn't have much choice. I mean, he's a Starfleet ship. They go where they're sent. But, Mm. you know, still, I'm glad that he feels a little bit of responsibility here. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were there to get viable anthropological and scientific information, other scientific information. That's why they were there. And... uh, then the Romulans happen. Well, they kind of have to figure out what to do about the Remans right now because uh, they're out of contact with the Stargazer at the moment. And Seven says they need to kill two warbirds with one stone, take the fight to the Marauders, and end the threat and the comms blackout. Uh, to which Hero says that's an unquenchable idea. So they're going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Unquenchable. And I love Seven's... Thank you, hero. <laughs> just you can hear the little, just a tinge of exasperation in there. Yeah. Thank you, hero. Just, thank you. Thank you. So Seven's going to lead the Fenris Rangers to take the fight to the Remans, uh, and she orders Picard to remain behind with the the Jinjorans, which I kind of like. I like that. Uh, I think she says something like. I was never, you know, sometimes not great at taking orders, but I do like to give them occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) Picard's kind of like glaring at her through Um, that. I like that. I do. I liked that too. That made me smile because uh, Picard is used to getting his own way. She doesn't answer to him because she's not in Starfleet. (laughs) (laughs) This is her show and she's going to give the orders. (laughs) And yeah. uh, and she makes that clear. And I liked that. The other thing that popped into my mind when she says she does like to give them occasionally, I'm, I'm just now realizing and thinking back to Voyager when she'd hop on the, the comm and say, Captain Janeway, please report to Astrometrics. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Janeway's like, okay, I got given an order by seven, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the look on Janeway's face when that happened the first time was just gold. <laughs> Yep. So yeah, Seven leads the rangers to the Reman encampment, but they find it mostly deserted, which that's not a good sign. Uh, We can kind of figure out where they're headed. The Reman forces have left to attack the Jinjorans, and we find out that Ikal has betrayed his people and is basically handing the planet over to Reska, who is the daughter of... Xenius, this half Romulan, half Reman, was the baby, you know, 20 mm-hmm. plus years ago and is now kind of leading the Reman forces. So kind of almost I'm getting Shinzon vibes from her a little bit. This kind of outsider that's leading the Remans. I, I was like, I was wondering if they were going to kind of emphasize that. But that was just something that I, I kind of thought of. It doesn't really seem to be what they're going for here. No, I think that had this been a longer series, they could have explored that. But with just having three issues, they just don't have time, which is a bummer because again, not enough stuff about the Ravens, y'all. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I think this is a really interesting character I would have liked to know more about too as well. But meanwhile, uh, in orbit above the planet, the stargazer is orbiting and a Romulan warbird decloaks. And it turns out Xenius has returned to claim this world. So, Dude, really? Now? Really? Mm-hmm. And he's calling himself, I should say, Praetor Xenius, but sure. I'm, I'm very much thinking that's very self-styled. I don't mm. think that's, I don't think anyone has given him that title. <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure that he hasn't. I mean, because this is after the whole, you know, sun going bye-bye thing and uh, them being scattered to every corner of the galaxy or what have you. So really, is there Praetor anymore? I don't think so. Not good. He he seems to be, yeah, I don't know how connected he is to the Romulan free state, I would say. Probably not very. <laughs> with, the, the, with the crap he's pulling? Oh, I hope he's not connected to the Romulan free state. So yeah, issue two, I think, uh, you know, strong middle issues are sometimes tough because... They're kind of, you know, just in the middle. But yeah, I, I think it was a good continuation of the story. We're definitely learning a little bit more. And then there's that kind of, you know, third act betrayal by iCal, right? That you're like, oh, what's going on there? So yeah, and it's about to get even more interesting. Because yeah, we're going to get into issue number three now, the exciting conclusion. Uh, I almost want Majel Barrett to come on. <laughs> and now the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this one came out uh, November 2nd, 2022, so just start of November. And again, of course, written by Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson, art by Angel Hernandez, very consistent across the whole series. And we start with the Stargazer under attack by this Romulan warbird, uh, this huge single page um, artwork here, Mm. very typical comic space battle artwork Mm -hmm. kind of going on and uh, just you know, beautiful. I, I got to say also, I love the stargazer that yes. we got in Picard season two. And anytime I see a new angle of it in this comic, I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. I, I know I'm not the one most affected by this, but I'm still in the back of my mind. I'm like, darn you, Eagle Moss. for <laughs> Folding. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted a stargazer. <laughs> I, I never got my hands on my Discovery 1031A. Oh, yeah. I didn't get that one either. Like I said, the, the stargazer is under attack, but they, they do get a signal through. Captain Mikara contacts them and beams back up to the ship to defend her vessel and figure out what's going on with the Romulans up there. Uh, and meanwhile, Seven contacts Deet aboard her ship which is another character i was so excited to see again from the the audio drama no man's land we were introduced to deet who speaks typically in their own language but i think towards the end of that story we find out that they actually do know standard and can speak standard they just choose not to (laughs) Um, i love this character (laughs) yeah well if you just because you know a language, that doesn't mean you want to speak it. So yeah, definitely. But I was the the giddiness. I know I don't know how many people out there joined me, but I was like, ah, Deet! <laughs> it, had, it had some nice references in it that I think a lot of people were not expecting. So speaking of which, I really hope we get more audio dramas. I know we've got the as a little tangent again. We've got the Con Seti Alpha Five podcast coming at some point yes 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 
but I want more produced audio dramas as well. That would be great. I love audio dramas. They're great. And, yeah. and the same thing with even podcasts, because like there was one that was a Fantastic Four podcast. Um, oh, gosh, it was probably two or three years ago. I really enjoyed that one a lot, even though there were some of the voices that I'm like, you could have gotten someone better for that. But it had Ethan Peck as Mr. Fantastic, so I can't complain there. Mm. Yeah, No Man's Land, which we did cover in a previous episode as well, of course, had Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd, but mm -hmm. also other great voice talents. Fred Tatashore actually plays of course. characters in that, and he's incredible. <laughs> he's always incredible. Is he ever not? I mean, really. Well, we uh, go next in the story. Uh, we're at the underground sanctuary of the Jinjorans, and Picard is trying to uh, reason with Reska and try and figure out how they can get past all of this. And, and he's kind of doing this thing that I appreciated where he's kind of trying to draw parallels between the Remans who were left behind and the Genjorans. And we get this interesting reaction by Reska that I didn't really clock on until they call it back later. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Where she, you know, he's making this comparison and she says, don't you dare compare us to those monsters. You have no idea what they, and then she gets cut off by one of her lieutenants coming up and, and making a report. Right. So I didn't, really clock that i didn't really notice that too strongly until it gets brought up later and i think this story does some really interesting things with it's a short comic story but it's it does very well with the limitations of the length to kind of introduce some really cool stuff and make you realize that the kind of shortness of the story is used in a way to the, the characters aren't as invested in this. They don't know enough about it because they're thrown into this so quickly. And we as the readers are thrown into it really quickly and make shorthand assumptions that get challenged later on. And I'm like, that is brilliant storytelling. It is. And I, I actually clocked that when she said that. I'm like, oh, ho. Oh, there is something else going on here, and people are making assumptions, and things are not what they seem. And I was just like, ooh, I want to find out. I'm not going to find out for several pages. Okay, that's fine. Meanwhile, of course, in orbit, Makara is trying to negotiate with Xenius. You know, I'm sure that's going well because he's totally reasonable. And they've also detected a particular life sign they're looking for. And this life sign is also with a half Romulan, half Reman. Interesting. So they beam them both up. That's, of course, Picard and Reska and take them prisoner. So, yeah, lots kind of happening here. A lot of beaming up. Um, I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. shields are going up and down all over the place. <laughs> I'm not too worried about that. But. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure they found a way for to tie in shields dropping with transporter so that it happens instantaneously and takes as little time as possible and all of that. Yeah. That's in my head canon anyway. Right before they're beamed up, though, actually, I should say this is where we learn from Reska that the native Genjorans actually mistreated and shunned the Remans and the Remans were trying to work together with them to survive, but they were left on the surface while the Genjorans got down below by the aquifers and kept the Remans from accessing that as well and left them to die. So, you know, this is a, a more complicated story than we were given, you know, usually you think like, I mean, 
how many stories do we have, right? The, the put upon natives of the planet are beset by outsiders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Avatar, <laughs> like, you know, all these stories like that, right? Ne- never so, could sit through that movie. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. I, I get it. But like, that's a cultural shorthand. Mm-hmm. And when we're reading this, we're employing those shorthands and making those connections and the story relies on us doing that, but no, not as all, not as all as it seems. And the Genjorans, as much as they have a right to survive as well, it's their planet and they were put upon by an outside force and almost wiped out. The Remans were victims as well, and they're just trying to survive as well. So, you know, there's a lot going on here. I think that's really a fascinating way to tell this story. I found it fascinating because I just thought, you know, there's got to be something more that's going on here. We all have our our prejudices and our, you know, stereotypes that we, whether we're conscious of it or not, inform how we're looking at a certain story. And in this case, this story. But the minute that Reska started to say something, that was when I thought, oh, something bad happened. These people are not what they seem. No, we got ours. And I'm sorry that, you know, you were forced to come here and that you have nothing and that you're going to die. But you know what? That's not our problem. So bye. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. I saw I saw that parallel and it it ugh, it made me feel icky. I mean, that's a. That's a really common thing, too, around the world, sadly. But yeah, there's definitely parallels that to be drawn here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like that the story is more complicated than yes. just black and white and good and bad. And, and, and we'll talk about how everything resolves, too, because I think it's very Star Trek, the way <laughs> so everything is resolved, too. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, you know, there's there's this share of... of of firefights and phaser blasts and stuff, but that's not ultimately how it all wraps up. So anyway, we've got this, uh, the situation aboard the ship and Picard is taken out of the brig and Reska is left there. Picard's being used as a bargaining chip because this old warbird is no match for the stargazer. So, you know, don't destroy us. We have your admiral aboard kind of thing. All of this is going on. And I love that they don't even like explain how she did it. She's just that good. (laughs) She gets out of the brig, gets to the bridge, Reska, and she (laughs) phasers the the crew. And um, yes, they're holding a disruptor on Zinnius. I love this scene just because, again, it ties into that whole theme that we were talking about, the unintended consequences of your actions from decades ago. Yep. You know, this this thing that he didn't factor into any of this, this daughter that he created takes her revenge on him. And, you know, it's it's not not exactly the same, but it's it's like the not caring that Picard did when the Stargazer left. You know, not, but on a more malicious side of it, obviously, where he committed these acts of evil that resulted in this daughter who is now going to totally upend his plans by just phasering him. Yep. Uh, Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. (laughs) Here, here. (laughs) Not sorry. Not sorry to see him go. (laughs) Not at all. I I might have even done a little fist pump when that happened. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because I just thought, oh, please shut this guy up. He's like, no, no, we can, I can make amends and starting to, you know, do the thing that they always do when the chickens come home to roost and try and worm their way out of it. And she's like, no, and just kills him. I had a thought of like Dukat and Zial a little Same. bit. Same. I was thinking I was going to bring that up and you're reading <laughs> my mind again, man. Totally. If things have, had gone differently with those two characters, right? Like, yeah. Because I was thinking that this Zenius is like, wow, he's got some gold Dukat vibes going on. <laughs> so, yeah, I do love also the captain of the Stargazers. Like, what's going on over there? <laughs> Like, yeah. I feel like a lot's happening, and I don't... What's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so Reska's now in control. She, she has obvious issues that, you know, are, are, are valid, right? Yeah. She yeah. has trust issues, obviously, and, you know, her people have been mistreated, and she's been abandoned, and all of this stuff. I thought it was interesting how Seven kind of makes that connection with her. Yes, and has similar experiences and it's just enough to crack through that outer shell and really get to what she's really going through and and having her understand that someone else does understand what she has gone through and what is motivating her so i i love this and again like i said so star trek this Mm -hmm. talking your enemy down and turning them into a friend that's such a star trek thing it is such a star trek thing and could any of one else there have connected with her, with Reska, the way that that Seven did? I don't think so. Because though their experiences were different in how how they grew up, how they broke free, it's fascinating. Because if you think about it, with Seven, she was basically indoctrinated. And then when she was disconnected from the collective, all she wanted to do was get back to her abusers, basically. And, and this, and Reska has also suffered abuse not from her mother but abuse from the natives abuse from the romulans abuse from her father leaving her behind i mean those are all of these things that have shaped her and if anyone could understand that it's seven there's no one else there that would have that same connection with her yeah and i also loved the parallels between what seven and picard went through as well where You know, Picard, through an act of of not sticking around, I guess, kind of assumed things would go a particular way and took off. And Seven, when she came in, assumed things were a certain way and led with the pointy end of the stick, right? Yep. And found herself realizing the situation was more complicated than than she thought. And the motivation of both Picard and Seven wanting to make it right... And Reska seeing that and recognizing that and realizing that they're being genuine. I I think that was a wonderful kind of way to cap off the story for sure. Maybe a follow-up issue of how Reska's doing. I'm just just curious, you know, because not enough Raymonds, y'all. For sure. I'm going to keep banging that drum till the cows come home. (laughs) Absolutely. And also a follow-up. I feel like because one of the things I thought this issue or this this series would end with was Seven saying like, okay, I'll go I'll go to Starfleet because, of course, we see her in Starfleet in the trailers for season three of Picard. Right. So we know she's going going to end up there somehow. But 
it doesn't really get there all the way. There's this final discussion between Picard and Seven, and I really liked this, where Picard says, I'm quite aware that you don't need Starfleet. It's Starfleet that needs you. Your words to Reska, your empathy, no academy training can teach that. Not to mention your experience. You have quite a singular resume. Seven before this was saying she's still enjoying freelance work. She's not quite convinced, but Picard's words here seem to have moved the needle a little bit, but she does still say like, that's for future Seven and Picard to worry about. Let's just enjoy the present for now. But you can tell, yeah, his words have had some effect there. Definitely. Well, and I think that they left it that way simply because we're going to see her, Mm. um, how she finally decides to join Starfleet, rejoin Starfleet, I should say, in Picard season three. That is my guess. Because, I mean, obviously we saw her, but they may show us actually her finally deciding. Which makes me very excited for this epilogue we see as well. Mm -hmm. Because remember how I said, like, I feel like we haven't seen, like they're holding their cards close to their chest. We haven't seen everything they have planned for season three of Picard. One of the things, and I mean, this is a, this is a long odds 500 to one in Vegas bet thing, but like, how cool would it be to see Kate Mulgrew in live action as Janeway? Because you're, you're saying maybe we'll see how Seven gets back into Starfleet. Well, this epilogue has Janeway contacting Seven and saying like, you know, we, I just want to talk. And maybe that's it. And maybe we'll see that in the show. Again, long odds. I'm not counting on it, but how cool would that be? (laughs) I would love that so much because we have never really had on screen that I recall Janeway Picard interaction. And I... I, Nemesis, we had the on the view screen. Yeah, but but I mean... Yeah, but I guess, but still, (laughs) I just feel like, you know, that was one little scene. I just want more. I just, I want more Janeway. Is that so wrong? I mean, yeah, we got a lot of her (laughs) Prodigy, but I want more. Yeah, I mean, after having seen all of Prodigy season one, um, more Janeway, the better. She was so good in that show. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. Back in live action and like, yeah, a big scene with her and Picard in the same room. Oh, mm-hmm. that would be amazing. It would. <laughs> it really would. I'm not going to hold my breath, but oh my gosh. Well, final thoughts on Star Trek Picard Stargazer. What What did you think of this series and maybe some kind of rating for it? <laughs> oh, golly. You know, I'm terrible at ratings and I always do weird ones. I Weird ones are fine. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Because that's how I roll, y'all. I, I really enjoyed this. I found the story to be, I mean, it started out thinking, you know, this this seems a, a kind of t- a typical Star Trek story, and then it's not a typical Star Trek story. So I appreciate that they did give us a little twist. I loved seeing Remans again. I thought the other alien races were interesting. I don't really remember what the two that were arguing in the Kobayashi Maru were. And I loved the artwork, as I've already mentioned. I thought the writing was really good. But, of course, Kirsten Beyer, because, you know, 
I haven't ever been disappointed in anything that she's written, frankly. And I like how it was kind of ambiguous at the end. I, I don't always need everything wrapped up in a bow for me. I I like a tease, especially when we know that a series is coming in the next, well, at the time that this last issue was released in the next few months. And I just hope that it, it would really bring me great joy if something from this comic tied into season three. So I'm really mm-hmm. hoping that there is, you know, that it, that there's some reference where I can just go, ah, ah, I get that reference. I get that reference. Like Captain America <laughs> in the first <laughs> Avengers movie. I want to be that person. I want to be, ah, I understood that reference. You know, I, I love Star Trek comics, period. And I, I liked this. I, I feel like almost this could have been a slightly longer story. They could have done four issues and it, it, it would have been a little bit meatier, but I understand why they they didn't and and three issues is great. It's something that I will reread and probably pick out new things that I didn't see or remember from the first two times I read through it. So, as far as a rating, I'm going to give it um one giant dead zinnius. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is a good thing. It's a good rating. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In case anyone's curious. Yeah, I I have to agree with everything you said. I love the idea of them referencing this in the upcoming season, you know, just for that that percentage, that small percentage of a niche of Star Trek fans who have read this. Uh I would love that. I love stuff like that. And and yeah, I do like where it ends and I I love that little tease with Janeway and you know Seven's future career plans and whatever's going on there. I, I and I love just the idea that in the background Picard and Janeway are talking about Seven. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like, "Oh, by the way, Admiral Janeway." <laughs> I love that. Yes. So yeah, this story was really good. A, a great story about unintended consequences. Which, again, I I feel like Picard, especially season one, has really been all about. So, you know, it's really kind of playing to the strengths of of some of those parts of the story. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Just beautiful shots of the Stargazer. I'm here Mm -hmm. for those, too. That was incredible. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it one really amazing splash page shot of the Stargazer in orbit of a planet because it's so beautiful. (laughs) Lovely. Excellent rating. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for joining me for this. Like I say, I'm going to be in contact with you to talk about a bunch of other stuff. I don't know how I want to tackle the, the ongoing Star Trek comic series. I want to read those and, and get a handle on what's going on in that story. I'm not sure how to break it up or how to Mm. do those episodes, but it's definitely something I want to do. So I think that could be a lot of fun. I agree. Basically, you know, I'm at your disposal, man. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I get the comics. I love the comics. You know, I love talking about the comics. All right. Well, to be continued then for sure. And uh, in the meantime, Uh, What are you up to these days and where can people find out about those things online? I'm not up to much, actually, because life happened and there's still some getting back to normal with that. Um, If I if I am going to do something, um, then you'll see it first on Twitter at Brandywine12. And, uh, you know, you and I do a thing. 
Yeah. Just that'll uh, be back. <laughs> that'll be back when Picard season three starts and we'll be doing your live show, The Unready Room, on on Dan's YouTube channel, which is Kurt Rass Productions. And yes. uh what we've been doing recently has been on Saturday nights. So if we still continue to do that, you'll find out about it. And I'm sure, you know, Dan always posts about it in the Positively Trek thread and also just his own personal thing. Honestly, you have so many ways to find out what Dan's doing, but I'm going to let him tell you about that. <laughs> yeah, well, the main thing, of course, is... uh uh, the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. If you haven't joined up there, uh, go join. We'll welcome you in. We'd love to have you. You can keep track of everything that's going on with the podcast there. I do also, like you said, have my YouTube channel, Kurtrats Productions, which I'm working on getting back up to pre-last couple of years levels. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, it's been crazy. My schedule is going to open up amazingly. Uh, I'm so excited to have evenings and weekends back. So I will be working a lot on my YouTube channel and all of that stuff. So thank you everyone who's still stuck with me on there. Uh, more to come soon, I promise. And yeah, I'm on Twitter, but not really. I'm on Mastodon now yeah, as well. I, I am too, but I'm really not super active. Like if I'm on social media, it's probably to promote something I did and that's it. Yeah. I, I feel bad, but me too. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm I'm trying to get into that a little bit more. Kurtrats at mstdn.ca is the extended <laughs> Mastodon handle. As well as, of course, the podcast is Positively Trek at Masthead. Dot social. So find us also on Twitter at Positively Trek. I'll put links to episodes and stuff there, but I'm I'm not really interacting much on there. Positively Trek at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out with uh, Last Millennium Technology and email us. That's that's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when email first happened and we we're like, oh my god, this is so cool. It's so amazing. Do you remember that like every third email was a chain letter? Yes. Do you remember those days? Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember those. I remember connecting to the internet for an hour and it costing me $20 for an hour. That's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I remember that too. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Uh, that'll be a flagship episode with Barry DeFord and me. So, uh, yeah, uh, until then, Brandy, I look forward to our next jaunt through the comics. <laughs> As do I, sir. Well, thanks again, everyone. And until next time, stay positive. Uh, so, yeah, the, the mission is to this planet, Genjor 4. So what happened in the past was... Is the it 4 Romulan... or is it 6? Uh-oh. <laughs> I thought it was 6, but I'm not I might have, I might have just written it wrong and then kept writing it wrong. I, I'm not uh... good at Roman numerals, and I often mistake where the I goes. <laughs> Genjor 6. You are absolutely right. Oh my gosh, I was right. That's weird. <laughs> it's the undiscovered country, not the voyage home. Yes. <laughs> not the one with the whales. Right. <laughs>